Professor Bryn Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash the vulnerable scientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Hi everyone, welcome to the Vulnerable Scientist Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Nyakeri, and today we have Justin with me, who will be our guest today for this particular episode. So Justin, how are you? Well, first of all, thanks uh, Sarah for inviting me to this podcast, and mm. I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, how are you doing? I am happy right now. Um, I'm excited that we're going to do to have this conversation and uh, I'm, I'm excited to know what is there. I'm also a bit anxious about um, what I'm about to do today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, how are you for real? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just doing well. It's a normal day for me. Mm. I think for you too, as a scientist, so we know pretty much how our life cycles are. Like, so we just uh, another day to try and do what we do, basically. Yeah. Okay, so introduce yourself to someone who doesn't know you. Yeah, well, so my name is Justin Yasinga, and I'm a biomedical scientist uh, based here in Kenya with a bias towards uh, microbial genomics and molecular uh, epidemiology of infectious diseases. So at the moment, I'm a tutorial fellow at the Technical University of Kenya, but I'm also a doctoral fellow at uh, the Pan-African University of Science and Technology in the, the Jambo Community University of Agriculture and Technology. Mm, okay, great. Um, tell us the story that get, got you to where you are right now, your career journey. Yeah, so I think if I have to try and, uh, you know, trace back to where my love for science came from, I think when I was uh, informed too, if I do not have forgotten, I lost my brother. So, and I think, uh, you know, I was fairly young, I was a teenager, but uh I was told that he, you know, he passed on from um, meningitis, so I didn't know what this kind of disease was. So I think I, when I studied about it more, I realized it's just an infectious disease, and I kind of just wanted to, you know, pursue education along those lines to try and understand the disease and other diseases, diseases of course, you know, dead infectious diseases for that matter. So and try and see if I can contribute in in small ways towards maybe solving problems around them. So that was actually high school. Then after high school, um, I went to college, uh, did uh, applied sciences, and I specialized in uh, microbiology, but I had a bias towards uh, clinical microbiology, and that's uh, where I am today. Yeah. Oh, so that means from high school you already knew what you actually wanted to do? I did, I did, actually. You had chosen microbiology? I did, yes. Oh, interesting. Where did you get the knowledge that microbiology exactly, like being doing a course in sciences, would help in what you wanted? In like you've explained something to do with the your brother, as in I'm trying yeah. to connect the two. 
Yeah, so so the cause of his death was uh, meningitis. So I got curious. Uh, I was a high school student, so I got curious what what is this meningitis. So when I studied it further, I realized it's just a bacterial infection that uh, once it complicates can cause death in the form mm. of meningitis. So I, I learned maybe the field of study that uh, tackles such kinds of diseases is microbiology. So specifically clinical microbiology. So I needed oh. to take that direction. Initially, actually, I did want to do medicine itself, but uh, I wasn't uh, able to qualify for uh, selection, at least by a point. So mm-hmm. I said the next best option is to to pursue microbiology with intentional or techno-clinical angle to it. And that's what eventually I did. Mm, that's interesting that you knew such uh, kind of stuff earlier on. So, um yeah. So tell us about the highs and lows that you've experienced throughout your journey in science. Yeah, so I think I've been uh, in the field. I think I'm one of those people that can say among my classmates perhaps that I have tried to stay this course. So after graduation from undergrad, I still proceeded to do a couple of internships here in the country, the Kenya Medical Research Institute, as the Centers for Disease Control at the Wellcome Trust and a few other institutions. Mm. The, the United States Army Medical Research Director in the director in Nairobi. So I think uh, the challenges have been that, uh, f- first of all, finding opportunities is not an easy thing right now because I think if you look at the, the number of graduates that uh, our universities are churning out every other year versus the opportunities that exist for these graduates in the industry, there's a huge disconnect, there's a huge uh, disproportionate distribution of opportunities versus the people that are there to take them up. Mm. And uh, that means that you really need to be patient and uh, persistent in looking for these opportunities, which I think many people don't have and uh, you can't blame them because there are just not enough opportunities. Mm. So I think that lack of opportunities definitely a low moment, not just for me, but I think for any graduate in the country. So you need to be super persistent, super patient, super focused on what you want to do and then just wait for your turn and then it's going to come. So that's a major challenge, the lack of opportunities. The other thing I could say is um, there is a lack of clarity perhaps among younger people in terms of the skill set that are required in the industry versus what the university education system offers. So you get like there are some other soft skills that you really need that maybe the education system doesn't give us, like, you know, interpersonal skills, communication, leadership, taking some initiative and stuff. So I think oftentimes when you get to the industry, you realize that these are really important skills besides, of course, being able to know how to balance equations and set up experiments and write reports and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm, so how did you navigate that? Um find looking for, you know, you're, you're coming from the university... How did you navigate that, you know, not getting opportunities? How do you deal with that? How did you deal with that? I think one of the things that I can say that is easier now that, than it was before is um, the Internet has really democratized information and uh, the opportunities for self-improvement have never been this high and have never been this accessible. So you get that there are so many things that you could do to improve yourself without having to be attached to an institution. So there's a, a lot of leadership courses that you take online. There's a lot of communication 
and personal development courses that you take. You know, there are all these EDX, there are all these Lilies, Simply Learn, and there are many other platforms for education, for self-improvement. The Young African Leaders Initiative, they offer some online courses on personal development, public management, leadership, you know, entrepreneurship. So I think I took advantage of those, and I did a lot of those, even when I wasn't having any you know, active opportunities along my scientific uh, preferences. I did still keep myself busy doing something that I think I would need in future, and I think it's come to play a huge role. Second thing is uh, mentors. I think it's uh, that's one of the most under, underrated things I think among among college students, and I think uh, I didn't pay as much as, as attention as I should have, even though I did mm. try. It is important to have a mentor, maybe right from the first day in college, who is constantly on you, keeping you in check, pushing you towards higher grounds, you know, telling you to do this and do that, apply this, apply that, looking at your CV and critiquing it, and trying to tell you, make it better, make it uh, more, more visible, more marketable for you to compete in the, in the industry. So I think the mentorship and opportunities for self-improvement are the two things that I could say were very critical to me and would be very critical to everybody, most definitely. Mm. Are there any other laws that you experienced at that time or in your, even now? Well, there are, yes, there are. And I think one of them that I can say is a law is, um, I've had an opportunity to do some student exchanges in the West. I've been to other countries, Germany, Thailand, the US, and a few other countries. Is a, is a disconnect continentally, you know, between Africa and the rest of the world in terms of where science is. And what happens is if you have all these scores of people that go to the West and do really cutting-edge science, and they come back to Africa and they realize maybe our opportunities, the infrastructure that we have, the educational priority that we have, the industry priority that we have, do not match the skills that they earn in the West. And that feeling that you are capable of doing more, but you happen to be in a place that you're not maybe utilizing the best of what you can give is definitely a point of, a, you know, disappointment for most people. And you can understand why, because it's like you're, you are capable of giving a 10, but you're in an environment where you can only give a 2 for no fault of your own. But I think you also have to thank them for, you know, sticking around and, and thinking actually Africa is a place they'd rather be and contribute in some small ways towards solving the continent's problems. And that's definitely a positive thing even though it may be disappointing in some ways. Mm, okay. So yeah. that's what you experienced. You weren't able to get opportunities after getting out there and coming back to yeah, Kenya. You go, yeah, you can go out there, come back, and then you do not find enough opportunities that uh, can, you know, utilize the best of what you learned out there for, for the betterment of your environment, so, I mean, for your country and the people that you serve. So that's one. And the other thing, I think the low moment, sometimes you can apply for these opportunities and you just don't get enough opportunities and you get regrets. You do not uh, get the opportunity, so you apply again and again and again and again time. But maybe things don't come through for you. For most people, they just say, okay, fine, I'll just take what I get because if I stick to finding opportunities in my area of specialization, I probably am going to waste a lot of my, my time my valuable time, my youth, or something like that. So people are, tend to think, okay, fine, if I get opportunities in another industry, 
banking, for example, marketing, sales, or some other discipline that is fairly different from what they studied in college, they'll still take them, even though that's that's not what they'd have preferred. So I think for most people, that's a, a low moment, and for me too, for that matter. Okay. Uh, all right. So we can we go to the highs if you're done with the lows? <laughs> yeah, we can. So for the lows, I mean, for the highs, rather, I'm sorry about this, is uh, I've had an opportunity to really interact with the really brilliant people around the world. You know, like when I was growing up as a boy in the countryside, I never thought maybe I'd go to some other countries and meet new people and see new places and uh, you know, explore new cultures. So that has, I think has been a really gratifying moment for me because I'm able to now you know, meet different people from different cultures, from different uh, backgrounds, and then you're interacting and you're connecting uh, at a scientific level. That in itself is very satisfying for me. Uh, that you can be able to engage in conversations with people at a higher intellectual level than they can lift you up and uh, you can network uh, in the process. That has been definitely very, very satisfying. Wait, how thing, did you, how did you uh, uh, get these opportunities to go outside the country? Like what well, happened really? Okay, yeah, so there are all, always opportunities coming up. Different uh, international agencies are uh, Advertising propositions for uh, student exchanges, scholarships, uh, you know, internship opportunities and stuff. So I think I, I always tried my best. I still do to latch onto those opportunities whenever they are advertised. So sometimes I get, sometimes I do not. But whenever I've gotten up, I can uh, make the most of them. So, yeah. So for my MSc, I got supported by the German Academic Exchange Services. So that, that enabled me to just travel and uh, you know, do those student exchange programs and get to meet with other people. So basically, those are the avenues for which you can get uh, such opportunities. You do. You did your MSc in? Uh, in uh, molecular biology and uh, biotechnology. And uh, you looked for a sponsorship, or how did you get the opportunity? Yeah, I had applied. I mean, uh, I I was in the middle of uh, my postgraduate diploma education at the Kwani University under the sponsorship of the Kemri Welcome Trust. So there are those opportunities that were advertised. I did apply. And I was lucky to get one for uh, that program. So that's actually why I did that. How did you get into the postgraduate program? Yeah, I think it's a fairly competitive one. We were the first cohort at the time. So what the program was trying to address is a is a research gap that exists for young graduates. So they wanted people, fresh graduates, who have interest in science and research, mm. and they were supposed to be taken through a program on research methods. So it was a really entry-level kind of a program that wanted to build capacity sorry, for research mm. among young graduates. So people applied, and it was competitively you know, selected for those who were successful, and then we took part in the program for different uh, disciplines. Mm. And that's how this got to the program. Sorry, how that's how? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't hear that. That's how I got into the program. Oh, okay. Yes. Um that is how ha- I got into the program. Yeah. All right. So before that, what were you doing? Before the postgraduate? 
Yeah, I think there was like uh, eight months, actually one year, if I, mm. if I my memory serves me right, because I, mm. the program began in 2015, but I graduated from my undergrad in 2013. Mm-hmm. So there was a one-year gap that I was doing internships, and then the internships ended, and then I needed to do a few other things. I tried my hand in a medical representative you know, mm-hmm. jobs, basically marketing for uh, scientific uh, equipment in the field of medicine and also for consumables. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did that for four months. It wasn't taking me well, so <laughs> I decided to just go back to science. What happened? Well, it's a tough job in the sense that uh, you, you have targets to meet and you need to do a lot of traveling, a lot of talking to people, a lot of uh, writing and communication. Mm. It works, I think, over time, but you need to be patient. Maybe I lack the patience, so I needed to go back to science. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So which yeah. internships were these that you did after school? I did intern at the United States Medical Research Directorate in Africa. Yeah, that is a Isamru K in Nairobi. You applied? Yeah, yeah, sure. How did you know about it? Like f- from school, how did you know about it? Uh, I was, I mean, I, I had always been uh, on the lookout for, oppo- for opportunities that, I mean, for organizations that might offer opportunities for my discipline. So I was, uh, you know, searching for them actively, you know, following their websites and their, any other announcements. Also, of course, mm. following the other job websites, like, uh, you know, the Brighter Monday and the others, just to see mm. if there's anything that's posted there. I mm. think uh, I came across one, but also the the importance of uh, mentors came in here because they are able to let you know, hey, they're actually in touch with uh, being advertised for at Camry or at uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Could you please uh, check the website and try? Or there are these scholarships coming up. Could you please try and uh, you know give give them a shot and see if you get uh, you get any. So I think uh, they do come in handy there, but of course there is that initiative that to take to be actively looking out for them. So you did in your summary, then what? Then I went to the CDC, and then I went to the Cambridge Welcome Trust, went back to Cambridge. Mm. Yeah, so I did a couple. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So how was the experience doing internships when you compare it with doing now your research, doing research that you did in your MSc and, and currently in your PhD? It is extremely important because you get to understand the importance of working in groups. Mm-hmm. Um, you got lost. Like um, working in groups and yeah, working groups, networking, and understanding the importance of things like science communication, and, uh, collaborative writing, and things like this, and also networking for for your discipline. So those are very important skills that come to pay off in a, in a huge way later on in your career. You've mentioned mentors. How do you do you get your mentors? How did you acquire <laughs> your mentors? Yeah, I think I write. I like I like the, the the term acquire because I think acquisition means it's an an active process, and I think it is. So mm. you have to get a look out for them. I do not think that mentors would come and say, "Hey, I want to be your mentor." So you have to you have to be actively, you know. Looking for them, and the, you can begin from the from the lowest level. You know your your church leaders or 
your high school teachers or primary school teachers or undergraduate lecturers or people that you meet out here in the field or maybe through conferences and workshops and uh, and other such events. Mm. So it's an opportunity that, uh, some of the opportunities that I think everybody needs. So it's a very active process, like you said. It's an acquisition process. So you, mm. you have to be on the lookout for conferences and workshops, reach out to your lecturers, talk to them, call them. Oftentimes, if you call them, if you ask for something from someone, they'll always actually oblige. Contrary to what most people think, maybe other people think, actually, if I talk to this guy, he's probably not going to help me, so I don't want to try. But oftentimes, if you try, whenever you try, you find that actually they are more than easy to help because most of them may have gotten to those positions by such means, so they also, in, in a situation where they are feeling like they need to give back pay back that debt of gratitude for what they've received before. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, so what was your other high? Yeah, I think uh, the other high is uh, just uh, fulfilling your scientific curiosities by trying to go deeper and deeper into certain problems that maybe you tackle superficially in a lecture hall or something like that. So the fact that you've been given an opportunity to go deeper and deeper into those things and widen your knowledge base, I think is very satisfying. Knowledge in itself is very satisfying. And being able to query certain things more deeply than you did before, by and of itself, is very satisfying. Yeah. I mean, knowledge is, is a reward for, it, for itself, you know? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Are there an, any other lows or highs that are not directly related to um, your career, but influenced your career in one uh, way or another? Well, uh, I really can't see any at the moment. I think those that I've just dis- dis- probably discussed with you are the ones that I can that come to mind. And, okay. uh, maybe one high is uh, the entrepreneurial aspect mm-hmm. and uh, you know the fact that you can be able to try and I started a venture it's called uh, Impact Botanics Africa Limited it's, try, it's, a, it's something that I started with my friends and we are trying to see how best can we utilize the skills that we learned over the years and try to solve a practical problem and we are trying mm-hmm. to do that by you know, trying to invest in high quality organic products for nutrition as well as uh, skin and hair care. So mm. it's just more like um, to, for, our, for our scientific curiosities to find expression in the form of products mm. and services for other people. I think that's a really nice way of putting what we've learned into action and uh, also trying to satisfy our scientific curiosity and maybe try and solve our problem. Mm. So I think the entrepreneurial aspect is definitely another high that I can say I have experienced. The other one that has come to mind now that you've uh, asked that question again is uh, education itself. So, mm. like I said, I'm a tutorial fellow in a university. So before then, I've been in the research setting. So mm. mostly it's just tackling scientific problems to find solutions and answer certain, quest- certain questions. But uh, I did make a switch to academia maybe three, four years ago. Mm. And I get now to meet students, uh, younger students, undergraduate students who like remind me of myself back in the days in undergrad. Mm. And the fact that, you know, I have an opportunity to 
help impart something to them and maybe help direct them in some way in their career. It's, it's, it's very satisfying also, I think, for me because they're just young people like myself and they're the future of the continent, definitely, like, like us. And being able to team up with them as a tutor something like that at any other capacity is very it's very satisfying it's a high for me I mean the first time I talked to young students first year students I think it was very satisfying because I, real, I realized I was just one of them a few years back and that's very mm. it's very satisfying in itself how did you become a tutorial fellow? well uh, I just thought I, I've always wanted uh, to you know combine education and research and leadership and entrepreneurship. Those four things are very, very passionate about. Mm. Yeah, so besides just uh, scientific research, I've also wanted to be in a position where I can give back to the society in form of helping other people to, you know, advance their careers in form of education, but also trying to see if there's a way we can apply what you've learned to you know, initiate entrepreneurial ventures in the, in the country, in the continent to solve practical problems for the continent. And of course, leadership itself, trying to provide uh, direction from the society, from policy, from interventions, and uh, monitoring of those interventions. So those four things are very central to my career aspirations. So how I got it is because I was interested in it. So I applied to a couple of universities. Interestingly, I hadn't even... Uh, started my MSc or anything, so I just tried to mm. see prospectively. I was just prospecting and saying, okay, fine, let me try this. Mm. But uh, one time I received an invitation for an interview out of the blues completely, and I showed up for an interview, and that's how I, I became a graduate teaching and research assistant, which is mm. the entry-level job for any any university job in the country. Mm. Then later on, of course, uh, I got promoted to teach for them. Oh, okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, the entrepreneurial side of you, uh, do you want to tell us more about it and how is it like being a scientist uh, who is practicing business, who's doing business? Yeah, so I can't say that I'm one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the country right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's a... Um, the experience that you get starting mm. a company from from scratch mm. is, unla- is like any other, unlike any other, sorry. I mean, you have to find a name and then search for the name and realize okay, the name is being taken. Then you have to find another name and then you, know, you have your logo designed, your website designed. You have to register the company, the registrar of companies in the country, open a mm. bank account, meet people, market. Mm. I think the experience that you can solve problems, handle customer complaints, these are things that you can never get in your life, even if you work for Safaricom or even if you work for Apple, Google, or Yahoo, because mm. they're just the experience is very unique in itself because mm-hmm. you have to do things pretty much by yourself. And that alone is very uh, character-building, you know, because mm. it makes a rounded person, an all-rounded person out of you. Unlike mm. if you have been hired by Safaricom as a manager in charge of, say, corporate communications where there are already existing structures. But if you have to start something from scratch, where it's like oftentimes you're a one-man show, you're supposed to tackle everything, You the experience is way better than what you'd have gotten if you were hired today by Facebook or Oracle or any other big company. Mm. 
Okay, so I'm introducing a certain segment into this podcast, and and I think you'll be the first person to ask this. Um, and since I never told told you about it, it will be nice to hear what you have to say. Sure. So, what are your hobbies? Wow, <laughs> that's a really interesting question because uh, most scientists would have, uh, I think, a hard time trying to answer it. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a few years I would say I never had any specific hobbies. I was like more into science. Maybe mm-hmm. immediately after, after college, and I was going to finding opportunities and trying to find the next mm-hmm. big thing to do to advance my career. But after that, I realized there is a need for us to have work-life harmony. I do not like to call it uh, work-life balance because balance means that you have to stop something then you can replace with the other then you can balance it. But I think if you talk about work-life harmony is when you have mm. your work seamlessly integrating into the rest of your life. And uh, that's something that I think I've tried, I struggle a bit to find. Mm. But two, three years ago, I mean, I tried to find something to do. So I'm playing instruments. I like to play violin and uh, mm. You know, yeah, and I like making morning runs, and maybe even runs whenever I have time. Mm. And uh, I play volleyball, mm-hmm. and I support Arsenal Football Club. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> Don't ask me about our performance. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I'm, I'm trusting was... the process. <laughs> I didn't know that someone would say that um, supporting a football team is a hobby. But even if you think about it, it, it is. It is a job because there's a, there's a level of education that you need <laughs> to support a football <laughs> club. You know, like, <laughs> you need to show up for the matches, to watch the matches, follow the players, follow the results, and, uh, you know, <laughs> air your opinions on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Don't so worry about nice, it. Um, I'm and also a debate, fan. Debate the performance with friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then if you think about it, that's, that's a hobby. Uh, it's, okay. a, it's a job in itself, but I, especially if you enjoy doing that, which I think I do. Ah. All right. Yeah. Don't worry. We are together. I'm also an Arsenal fan. Oh, nice. <laughs> the fan base is white. <laughs> yeah. 14 years strong. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, anyway, thanks for sharing that. I don't know. Um, what is what that thing that you'd like to share that I haven't asked on this podcast? Uh, I think it's just to encourage uh, other scientists, young scientists in the country, those who are doing any applied sciences, engineering all this, uh, you know, physical science. I think it's important that we kind of uh, stick to those and uh, really, really try to love what we do or do what we love and then maybe link them to the continent's priority. Find a way in which the skill set that you're earning can find relevance in what the continent needs right now. That, I think, is what I'd like to say. Okay, thanks. Um, I was trying to record that background. <laughs> okay. Uh, to help me edit it out. Yeah, okay. Okay, Justin, uh, thanks for coming to this podcast and thanks for sharing your journey. And 
Yeah, if if there's anything you'd like to mention and, and say your bias. <laughs> I just uh, to say thanks for having me and thanks mm. for uh, the opportunity that uh, you gave for me to come and share my story. So I wish mm. you well and uh, I hope to see you some other time. Okay. Um, is there anything that... Sh- how do you feel about uh, after recording this thing? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but just okay. I think it's, a, it's been a nice session. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, uh, I would like to, you, you'll have to send me, um, a photo of you that you're relaxed and not, you know, in a very official state. If there's mm-hmm. one. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. So that I, I can use it as a thumbnail when sharing this podcast. Oh, I see. I see what yeah. You mean. yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll try and find one. I don't have any. I think I'll try and find one. <laughs> don't worry. You uh, can get me any, any, anywhere, any picture, any, even, you can even take a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> if you can. Oh, yeah. Well, let's see what we can do. <laughs> okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. I wish you a nice morning and a good day ahead. Uh, you too. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.